Hello, everyone. It's great to be back with you on this Wednesday night, and I trust that you had a great day. And if you didn't, it's over with, and uh, you can praise God in the nighttime, and during this time, we're together. It's great to have Pastor Stani back with us, Amen. and uh, we're doing this together during this time. Um, then the stay-at-home order, but thank God, hopefully things are about to change quickly in Orlando and at Faith Assembly and all the churches, so be praying. And um, tonight we're going to get into chapter 13 of the book of Proverbs. What a great book filled with incredible instruction. Um, Solomon, of course, wrote most of it, and tonight we're going to talk about three or four subjects, um, focus on three, but first of all, we're going to talk about the words of our mouth, and how important is that, because right now, during this time, our words are so very important. Let's read Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. It says, a wise son heeds his father's instruction." But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. He does not listen to rebuke. A rebuke is a sharp disapproval because of someone's behavior and action. Well, tonight as we start off on chapter 13, uh, talking about the words of our mouth, the very first thing in the first verse is talking about heeding the instruction of those in authority over our life or those that are speaking into our life some truth. And uh, the word is, of course, being rebuked. Um, the word rebuked is all through the Bible. It is a, not a, um, a condemnation, but it is a word or a, um, a series of sentences and words that help people to understand that what they're doing or what they're not doing is wrong scripturally. And so let's talk a little bit about rebuke. And we're not, we don't want to be a scoffer for sure. So let's, let's talk about that, Pastor Stoney. You share right now. Well, uh, us understanding the importance of uh, not only seeing what the Word of God tells us about allowing ourselves to be corrected and rebuked. The Word of God tells us that God loves us, and that's why He brings correction into our lives. He, uh, he, that's why He's put His Word into our lives. I, I think about my boys. I always give them sound instruction, and I, I try to give them the results of, of their actions, if they, what's going to happen if they do well, or what's going to happen if they don't do well. So we have this little saying uh, of when uh, I give some instruction to my child or our boys, and they kind of do their own thing, and then something happens, like they fall down, or there's some kind of negative consequence. Uh, at our home, we say, that's what happens, and it's exactly that. God gives us His Word, he tells us, uh, gives us a guideline of, of how to live our lives. And then when we step outside of that and do our own thing, then things get, uh, get really hard to deal with. So uh, us understanding rebuke and correction is very important for our Christian maturity as believers. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5, it says, Open rebuke is better 
than love carefully concealed or love that is hidden. Open rebuke. Um, nobody likes to be rebuked. Nobody um, likes to receive correction in the flesh, but we've got to get beyond the flesh and God help us to do so because in life, just think about it. What if no one ever corrected us? No one ever said anything about something we were doing that was wrong. If no one ever corrected us, there would be a tendency to go our own way, make up our own truth, uh, make excuses for behavior. But people that really love us are going to speak into our lives. We don't use the word, I know, rebuke now as much as, um, as the thought is to correct. And even a rebuke is to be done in love and so uh, tonight, we're not trying to get you to start thinking, boy, who do I need to rebuke? No, uh, we're trying to get you to understand that life is going to bring rebuke or correction, and you and I need to be open to it and realize that if somebody really loves us, they will care enough about us to speak truth into uh, something in our life that we've allowed to fall into uh, um, area of untruth. And so we speak truth into others' lives. You know, seldom do I meet anyone that says, you know, I, God uses me in this and I, I really enjoy doing it. As a pastor, I don't enjoy sitting down with someone and correcting them. But you got to do it anyway. And so I'm sure you've run across examples of situations where you didn't really want to share. You just prayed that they just straighten up, but Amen. then they didn't straighten up. So God speaks to your heart to say part of their straightening up is you going to them in love. It's our responsibility, really, um, to to be able to add to people's lives around us. And we can add by 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 bringing just correction. We all want to get better in in all our roles that we have in life. And and I, I have been in a couple situations where uh, I, I had to bring correction to someone and uh, I held off because it's not very comfortable. And then the time came where I was just like, I, I'm going to have to bring some correction to this. And when I did, they actually sighed a sigh of relief and said, thank you so much. I really, really needed that. And I'm thinking, dear God, why didn't I do that like months ago? And, uh, and so it's important for us to not only be open to rebuke, but be willing to bring some uh, constructive criticism, criticism or correction to the people that we love. This is an ongoing theme throughout the book of Proverbs, and it's probably ongoing in the instruction that Solomon was teaching young men because he knew that all of us needed to be reminded of these things over and over and over. You know, there's probably been people through the years that have said, oh, I've already heard that sermon. They may have heard the sermon, but whether they are living the sermon is another thing altogether. So sometimes it's like, oh, I've heard about that subject. But are they walking in the truth of that subject? Are they saying, God, 
Um, I've heard the subject before, but Lord, I want everything out of that that I can get for my personal life. And there's always nuggets of truth. You know, I, I find myself, and gladly so, that my attitude is, even if I've heard something before, you're always going to pick up something that adds value to your life. And so it is with reproof, rebuke. Uh, we may not like to do it, but when we do it in tenderness and love, that person has the opportunity to grow or they choose to say, um, thank you, but I don't believe that, or they refuse to see it, um, or they say something like, well, the Holy Spirit hasn't told me. Um, you know, I've heard people say that before, and I just want to say, um, you don't really need the Holy Spirit to tell you because he's telling you through me, or um, he's telling you through a group of individuals. All of us, I hope, want to get better. I know I do. And so there's a big difference between being a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. And the word of God tells us that we're supposed to be hearers and doers of the word, not just hearers. You know, Proverbs chapter 13, verse two, a man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. A man will eat well by the fruit of his mouth. Um, you know, I've always Unfortunately, until this study, I've talked through Proverbs several times before, but I've never really thought of it in the way that I saw it this time. Um, I've always sensed or thought in the negative sense of this. Well, you're going to reap the consequences of bad words. But it just leaped off the page seemingly this time. What about all the good that we're going to eat? What about all the good we're going to enjoy when we speak good words? So, um, you know, I, I believe that um, we should always speak good words, positive words, uplifting words. Um, I would never say something like, you know, I... I th I'm afraid I'm going to get this virus. I would never say that. And I want to encourage you to never say it. Uh, we don't say things that are going to lend itself to a benefit that is not of God. And so you may get it, but don't dare speak it and give uh, credence to it by your words, the power of your words. So as a result of that, during this time, I know some of you may be going through a difficult time, speak positive words. Speak words of, it's going to get better. Uh, just recently, Pastor Estani, I was meeting with um, one of our ushers. They had cut his hours way back. Um, they'd cut his salary. And I said, well, well, how are you doing? And he says, well, uh, I'm doing okay. It's going to get better. And, and I thought about his job. And it's one of those jobs that in the natural may take maybe a little more time uh, to come back. 
And yet his attitude was so positive, so uplifting that any concern I had for him at that moment seemed to vanish because of his words back to me. He's going to eat the good of his words. I don't know how God's going to do it, but when you're full of faith and your words reflect it, then you get to eat. It may not be the time you want to eat, but you're going to eat the fruit of your mouth. Good words and, unfortunately, bad words. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we are we as believers, we're asking and, and we should be asking for God's presence in our homes, his kingdom presence in our home, righteousness, peace, and joy. But we have a lot to play in that because we have to sow positive words and a positive atmosphere into our, into our homes. If we are speaking negative and, and speaking fear and allowing all the negative surrounding what's going on right now, if we allow it to, to consume us and we're speaking all that, the, the atmosphere is going to get heavy in our house. And it's important for us to speak life uh, at, all, uh, at all costs. Speak life. Speak the word. If sometimes it's hard to speak positive, just speak the word of God over, over our home. Uh, and just declare it. Well, the words of our mouth, so very important. And yes, if we're speaking uh, words of defeat, if we're speaking words of poverty, um, don't be surprised if you have to eat some of those negative words. Um, years ago, I went into a hospital room, Pastor Stunny, and there was a person there that was dying of cancer. And um, in this particular case, I was talking to the daughter, and she said to me, well, my mom has said for years that she would probably get cancer and die. I was taken back because here's a daughter seeing her mom lying there in that bed with a terrible disease and telling me that she'd heard her mother speak it with her mouth for years. Are you saying, Pastor, that she got cancer because she confessed it? I'm just telling you, don't confess it. I'm just telling you, don't speak it. I'm just telling you, um, you know, don't declare words and give power to words that may influence your life in any way, shape, or form. Amen. Because the words that we speak, first of all, they come out of our heart. And that's a little bit, um, if somebody doesn't give it some thought, they may think the wrong thing. It's not our physical heart that pumps the blood through our body, but it's the heart, the emotions, and, and especially the mind. So we speak words of defeat or fear or sickness with our mouth, but it, it's affecting our mind because it comes from our mind. And then in our mind, those thoughts grow and increase and affect our body because we know that our mind can dramatically infect 
uh, affect our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've got to be careful about the rhetoric, the, what we say, what's being repeated in our minds to ourselves. That's why uh, it, it's important for the Word. And I, I always go back to the Word. It's important for us to know the Word and meditate uh, on the Word. The Word tells us to meditate upon things that are holy and true and worthy to be thought of, uh, not to meditate on the negative. And, uh, and the more I know in my life, uh, coming from uh, when, I, when I was lost and gave my life to Christ, my whole mindset had to change and the way that my vocabulary had to change, the way I spoke, and it, and it changed because of the Word of God. And, uh, and I, I believe, for matter of fact, that, it's, that it has changed the trajectory of, of my life because I lined up my life with this Word and started speaking that Word. Well, there's no question. We get born again. We should get into the Word. The Word renews our mind, which impacts the words of our mouth. Let me read another verse, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 5. It says, a righteous man hates lying. He hates lying. But a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. In other words, the contrast here is a righteous man, he hates lying, uh, but a wicked man, not so much, all right? Uh, a wicked man doesn't mind lying. A wicked man, it's a part of his nature. And it was a part of our own nature to lie. I once years ago preached a sermon on find out what God hates and hate it too. Um, and still that, that element of truth is so real to me because there are things in the Bible that God said I hate. And one of the things he said he hated was lying. So here a righteous man um, hates what God hates. He hates lying. So it doesn't say that um, he doesn't lie because he doesn't. Uh, that's true. But it's more than just not lying. He actually hates lying. Think about it. Um, I've said it before. And in that sermon series that I spoke on about finding out what God hates and hated and find out what he loves and love it. And I told husbands, Anytime you hear your wife say, I hate it when you do that, then listen carefully and stop doing that. Anything she says, I hate it, I hate it. Oh, you hate that? Oh, I'm going to stop that. You hate me throwing my socks on the floor? Oh, I'll stop that, no problem at all. Because you don't want to keep doing something that your wife hates and the same goes for, of course, the wife when she hears her husband say, I hate that. Um, and so we make sure that with God, we hate what God hates. And God says he hates lying, so a righteous man hates lying. Yeah, the, the issue, well, one of the main issues with lying is, first of all, God doesn't like that. He hates it. Um, but the thing with the lying is you have to keep track of all the lies. And that takes so much work to try to even, if you, if someone is a, just a habitual uh, liar, they have to keep track of every lie and every story and every, and eventually that will get really complicated and the truth comes, uh, comes out. So for us to speak uh, truth is crucial. And the point on the hating, I can't help but to think about a few years back, Pastor, if, uh, if you don't mind, uh, 
I grew a beard, and, uh, and it was really scruffly, and, uh, and my wife wasn't liking it very much. And, and I told you that she didn't like it, and you looked at me and said, uh, why is it still on your face then? <laughs> and I shaved pretty quick because you brought correction, and it was, it, oh, she didn't like it. I shouldn't have been doing it. And the fact that you brought that correction to my life, I shaved it, and the only scruff you see is because she has pre-approved it. <laughs> Amen. Well, um, I'm glad that you uh, honored your wife enough and myself enough uh, to, to do that. And when somebody, especially we're, we love and we're, we're doing everything we can to get along and love each other in return, we make it as easy for them as possible. Well, let's move to another uh, sec, uh, subject. And uh, we're going to talk just briefly about the fate of riches without God. This is something that not only impacted people back during the time of Solomon, but it impacted people before him because uh, David talks about this in the psalm, and it impacts you and I, the fate of riches without God. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7, there is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. Let me give you a verse out of the New Testament, Luke chapter 12, 21. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Wow. This has been something that maybe has gone through all of our minds before. We look around, we see people that are not serving God, that are not honoring him with their money, and yet it just seems like they become richer and richer and richer. And we see some of the wealthiest people in America. There's typically no semblance of godliness there and we think to ourselves or maybe maybe a few of us have we've thought god why does it seem like the unrighteous prosper why does it seem like life is just wonderful for them you know their biggest problem in life is deciding which summer home they're going to stay in that summer this summer <laughs> And then we think, God, what's going on? Why does it seem like, God, that the righteous maybe suffer more here on earth than the unrighteous? I don't know what your thoughts may be on that, but I'll read Psalm in just a moment. Uh, um, that as far as we trust in riches, it just, it's, it's a bad scene for all of us. Uh, we, we are to not trust in riches. We are to trust in God, and yes, uh, when, you know, the enemy has, his plan is to kill, kill, steal, and destroy from us. And he has a lot of different weapons that he uses in that. One of those weapons is distraction. Well, for some of us, uh, for some people, the distraction is just having a lot of money and not the right places to put it into and not the right mindset to be the steward of what God's given us. Uh, so to be envious of what seems to be a, a, right, a, a rich person not having any issues. No, there's issues. You just may not see it on the surface. 
Well, let me read to you out of Psalm 73, verse 3 through 5 in the Living Bible. David says, For I was envious of the prosperity of the proud and the wicked. He admits it. He said, I'm, I was envious. Yes, all through life their road is smooth. They grow sleek and fat. They aren't always in trouble and plagued with problems like everyone else. And then in verse 10, we pick it up there. And so God's people are dismayed and confused and drink it in. Does God realize what's going on? They ask. Look at these men of arrogance. They never have to lift a finger. Theirs is a life of ease. And all the time their riches multiply. Then, in verse 16 of that same chapter, yet it is so hard to explain this prosperity of those who hate the Lord. Then one day, and uh, David comes to a place where he goes into the sanctuary to meditate and thought about the future of these evil men. And Pastor Stani, it was then that he realized, what am I thinking? They may enjoy things on this earth, but if they're not serving God, their end is destruction. And he was like, God, forgive me. Why am I being envious of someone whose ultimate destiny is separation from God? So today, I don't know what your financial state is, but the most important thing in life is to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, regardless of how much money you have in the bank. Uh, you know, I heard a... Um uh, uh, just a famous musician one time said, um, money doesn't buy happiness, but it pays for the search. <laughs> and the issue is when you have a lot of money and, uh, and you don't have God in your life, uh, you will spend a lot of it searching and searching and searching and searching. And many times we need to come to the point that there is a serious, serious need in our life for us to call out to God because money may not uh, buy happiness and it does not uh, but, uh, but money doesn't pay for an entrance into heaven. Only the blood of Christ uh, was the only yeah. thing that bought our salvation. Money, you can have all the money in the world and, and not see those pearly gates. Uh, so we need Christ just as much as uh, we need. Uh, well, the last thing we need to do is get envious of those who have more. Because if you have Christ, your eternal destination is heaven. Streets of gold, well, all of that really doesn't matter. The streets of gold, the gates of pearl. Uh, I guess it's going to be nice because um, that's what God has prepared for us. But the thing that's going to be, um, or the thing that is going to make heaven real is the fact that Christ is there. Loved ones are there. People that we know are going to be there. Um, heaven's going to be a glorious place. And so I encourage you today, as we conclude our thoughts out of Proverbs chapter 13, I'm going to give you a, maybe a couple more verses. Proverbs 13, 2 says, Hope deferred 
makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred. Boy, you know, I hope that soon we will be able to see you again. In my heart and in my mind, Pastor Stoney, I picture different people as I walk around this building. I think about those of you that I run into on a regular basis and at times I think about or picture in my mind those of you that maybe I just periodically see you but there is a hope in my heart that we're going to see each other again and hopefully it won't be long from now if I had no hope that we would ever meet again as brothers and sisters in Christ and lock arms, worship God together. Boy, that'd be tough to swallow. Hope deferred. No, you gotta, you gotta cling to hope. Things may be bad right now, but speak words of hope. Because words of hope got our eyes to the future, the days ahead. It will not dwell on what presently is happening, but it will propel us out of that to realize it's just a matter of time. We keep hoping, we keep praying. And I used to kind of look down on hope a little bit, you know, hoping and a praying. No, hope is an essential thing for our lives. I hope to see you soon. I hope that each one of you that may not know Christ will come to Christ. I hope things get better for you soon. I hope. And hope deferred makes the heart sick, so that's why we speak hope now. Pastor Stani, why don't you close this out? And Absolutely. Uh cling to hope Christ is our is our king as long as God is enthroned in heaven uh, there is hope and he cannot be dethroned he's king and God forever uh, and as long as he's on the throne we have uh, we have hope so right now let's let's just pray let, let us we're gonna pray for you father in heaven we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for each and every person right now that may be watching and, and the hope is dwindling, Lord God, that they would understand and, and reconnect with you in a way that they would understand that you are there. You have promised Jesus to never leave us nor forsake us. You're not going to let us go. You're not going to let anyone go. Father, so I, I pray, Lord, for hope uh, to be reignited for those that are losing it, uh, losing hope. And Father God, that, that they would understand and know that you are ever-present, where two or more are gathered, you're in their midst, and we know that you are here. Father, for those that, that find themselves hopeless, I pray that you help them to clear their mind and their heart, and for them to understand that you are listening, that you are there 
that you love them, and that they're important. We're going to get through this, Father, in your name, and we're going to be together soon in your name. Listen, if you need to make a commitment to Christ, just ask them to come into your heart. Just say, Lord, I receive you. Your, your hope, you came, you died for me. You came and, and lived again for me, so that means I can live. Just make that confession of faith, and then just let us know you did that because we want to reach out to you. We love you. God bless you so much today. Praise God. Pastor John is going to lead us in a chorus, and then he's going to close this service in prayer. God bless you. We love you richly. Worship God as Pastor John leads us. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed, Lord. God, you've never failed us. You've never let us down. That's why our hope is in you. Our confidence is in you. Your faithfulness is great towards us. So Lord God, as we continue to navigate this season, I pray blessings upon every listener, every hearer, Lord God, everyone who's received this word and is gonna be a doer of your word. God, I pray blessings and favor and that their hope, Lord God, would not be deferred, but that it would come to full fruition in you as you move mightily in their lives. We honor you, thank you, and bless you. Matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this evening. We pray that you have been blessed and that you'll continually be blessed. We'll see you again very soon.